this series called Follow Me. It's called Follow Me. And in this series, the first two messages, so last week and the week prior, uh, we've been examining through God's word and we've been, we've been talking, hallelujah, God's been talking with us, if you will, through his word about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And then last week we took a look at, um, glory to God, last week we took a look at, uh, I'm sorry, this is the second week, my bad, my bad. A little head of myself, church. Forgive me. <laughs> so uh, the first week, uh, yes, last week, we started this series called Follow Me. And in our first message, we talked about who can become a follower of Jesus Christ. In Sermon 1, last week, we talked about who can be a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you weren't able to catch that message, you can always catch it by going back to our uh, message archives. You can access that right there from the church website at greaterimpactchurch.org. It's right there on the middle half of the homepage. And of course, you can do that at a later time. But we want you to hear the word that God has set apart for this week on tonight. Amen? Amen. So before we get into the word, of course, I always encourage you to put away from you any distractions. Amen. Uh, this word, the word of God is what I'm refer uh, referring to. The word of God is too good for you not to pay attention to. Amen. And we don't want you to miss anything that God is saying. And we don't want you to miss anything that God may be trying to relay over to you through his Holy Spirit and through his word. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, church, um, I pray that you guys are, you know, enjoying this series. And I know that I sure am. Um, even the message on last week was very powerful. It was very powerful and a great reminder of that reminder that we all have potential to become a follower, a devout follower of Jesus Christ. Now, before I give you my title for this week, as always, I want us first to open up our Bibles and get into the actual word of God. Amen. <clears throat> so do me a favor, turn open your Bibles to the gospel of Matthew. Again, that is the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19, verses 20 through 30. Again, that's the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19, verses 20 through 30. Now, as we begin to read these 10 verses, um, what I want you to do, of course, take your time in getting there, but just um, understand and know that I read from the ESV version of the Holy Bible. That's the English Standard Version. However, you may use whatever translation best suits you. Uh, just keep in mind the wording is different, but the general meaning is the same. So again, turn open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. That's the first Gospel, chapter 19. And we're going to be reading verses 20 through 30. Now I'm going to go ahead and begin to read, but of course, you know, take your time in getting there. But of course, again, once you get there, follow along. And so the Word of God reads, it says, The young man said to him, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went, went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, well, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we, will we, will we have? Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Amen. Amen. So just to give you guys a little background on this story, this text that we just read out of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19, verses 20 through 30. Of course, Jesus is continuing his ministry. He's, you know, um, 
continuously looking for opportunities to teach and point things out to the 12 apostles. Um, and he's just making things known to them as God, his father, our father, is making those things known to our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. They come across a man who is very wealthy. And he was, even though he was wealthy, he was obedient to the Ten Commandments. He was obedient to the law of God through Moses. And so by him being obedient, there was no punishment or no judgment uh, poised against him. So what he does is he goes to Jesus knowing that he is um, obedient and he asks the Lord, what then must I do to be saved? I've, and, and Jesus' response to that was, well, if you want to be saved, then you know the commandments. Honor your mother and father. Uh, have no other God before the one true God. You know, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not murder. Um, you know the commandments. And his response to that was, I've kept every last one of them. And here's Jesus' response. Jesus' response was, yep, you're right. You did keep all of them. Yep, you're right. You're, you are an obedient man. But if you want to be perfect, notice what Jesus says. If you want to be perfect, do what you have not yet done. If you want to be perfect, do what you have not yet done. Go home, sell everything that you own, and come follow me. Because see, Jesus knew his heart. Jesus knew that he was obedient, but he also knew that he was wealthy. And so Jesus was using this as another opportunity given to him by God to set an example for us today, but also to set an example for those who were following him closely in that particular moment. So Jesus said to this wealthy man, well, if you want to be perfect, go home, sell everything, give to the poor, and then come follow me. So then it says that he began to walk away going about his business, probably going to do what Jesus had just instructed him to do. And yet he's very distraught because he had many possessions. Does that sound familiar? Don't that sound like us when God tell us to give something up? For some of us, God tell us to give up $20 and we freak out. And we say that it's not God. And we sit there and 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 and, and clutch, uh, we we clutch the seed in which God has put into our hand, and then we wonder why we have not yet received a harvest. How can a farmer or how can a laborer in the field expect a harvest if he still holds the seed within his hand instead of letting that seed go into the soil that it may be nurtured, that it may take root, that it may grow and become that in which God intended it to be. One thing that we fail to realize is that sometimes God will put seed in our hand to test what we will do with that seed. That seed doesn't always have to be monetary. Sometimes that seed is the, in the form of resources. Amen. Some of you have the giftings and the skill sets to do things that you could not even imagine that people could not normally do. Some of you have the giftings and the talents to, create, uh, to, to get a visual in your mind and paint an image, rather that be on a physical canvas or a virtual canvas. Some of you have an artistic gift that could be put to use for the glory of God. Some of you have monetary wisdom, meaning some of you have financial wisdom, meaning that you strategically know how to finance and budget money. You know how to evenly divide money and the fact that it's uh, in the way that is most impactful. You know how to evenly divide money in a way that it's most evenly impactful. You know how to um, help somebody get uh, better with their credit score. You know how to help somebody get better with their credit score. And, and, and the list just goes on, church. The, the, the abilities and the capabilities that God has equipped us and given to us, it, it, it's many. It's plentiful. But one thing that I've noticed is that some of the people of God, instead of casting their seed, their gift, their talent into the vineyard, they clutch it within their hand and they wonder why there's no harvest for them. They wonder why there's no harvest for their household. They wonder why there's no harvest for their ministry or their church. Because if you're still holding the seed, how can you expect it to take root and grow? 
Amen. Ask your neighbor, neighbor, are you clutching your seed or are you sowing your seed? Amen. Glory to God. So this man who was obedient, who went away distraught because sorrowful, as the word says, because he, he had many, he had plenty possessions and this troubled him. And for some of us, God is requiring us to give something and an and, 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 and ability uh, I'm sorry, in return, in return to follow him. Because remember, he said, if you want to be perfect, go sell everything, give to the poor, and then come follow me. Amen. What is it that the Lord is telling you to let go of in order for you to follow him? What is it that the Lord is requiring you, not asking you, but requiring you to let go of in order for you to follow him? Understand that Jesus was not asking this man. He was demanding. He was commanding. There it is. He was commanding this brother sell all his possessions in order for him to become a disciple in order to follow him. Amen. What is Jesus asking you to let go of that you may become a devout follower of him? Because see, if this brother would have held on to his riches... If this brother would have followed Jesus with his riches, his riches would have only weighed him down. Because just like Judas, he would have only worried about what was behind him instead of worrying about what is in front of him. And that's what riches do. That's what wealth does. That's what happens when we obsess over wealth. That's what happens when we obsess over money. That's what happens when we obsess over the abilities and the gifts and the talents that God has placed within us. We then try to we try to um, attach a U-Haul onto us and we try to take everything, everything and follow God to only realize that it becomes a hindrance to us because it weighs us down, preventing us to get into the true place of worship, preventing us from getting into the true place to where we can hear the Lord clearly. Amen. So what is it that God is requiring of you? to let go of what is weighing you down what is holding you back amen what has potential to get in the way of the move of god in your life amen this brother went to jesus in order to receive salvation he said lord what must i do to be saved the Lord said, well, you know the commandments yes i do and i've been obedient to them well if you want to be perfect Give up everything, give to the poor, and come follow me. Amen. Jesus had uh, Jesus acknowledging the fact that this man was obedient. But yet, one thing I want to point out is that when we think we're obedient, God always shows us a part of our life where we have not been obedient. And see, this brother, he was like, he was, he was happy. He was proud because he knew what he had done in his life. It's like, you know, I've done, I done, done everything, Lord. I've done the entire Ten Commandments. I've been obedient. I uphold the law. But at that one phrase that Jesus uttered next, basically challenged his whole will to be obedient unto God. Amen. Jesus then proceeds to tell us that it will be impossible for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. The reason why is because the rich is not the people. Um, I'm sorry. The reason why is because the people that are wealthy are more obsessed and they're more in love with their wealth than they are in the, the, the more so than they are with following the Lord. Amen. They love their money. They love their wealth. They love their fame. They love all that comes with wealth. So this is why Jesus said those things. Remember, he goes on and makes it a little bit more plain later in scripture. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone that clings to this life will lose it. But anyone who offers it up, willingly gives it up for my sake, will save it. And Jesus is not talking about suicide. Well, what Jesus is talking about is more so spiritual. 
Jesus is saying, if anyone that clings to anything that this life has to offer will lose it, but if they willingly give it up for my name's sake, they shall inherit eternity. When Jesus said these things about the rich, kind of tells us about the population in that day because it says that Peter, the disciple, the apostle of Jesus Christ said to the Lord, Lord, who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? And Jesus' response to that was, I tell you the truth, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Even though you don't think that you have the ability to be saved, Jesus is saying something completely different. Jesus is saying that you have the ability to be saved, even though it may seem impossible with you, even though it may seem impossible in your flesh. Just know that all things are possible with God and to he who believes in the spirit and in the word of the most high God. Amen. Peter then steps up again when he heard Jesus talking about wealth and possessions. And Peter then steps up again because, you know, Peter, he was just the, the loud mouth. He was the one to get everybody detention. He was the one to get everybody in trouble in class, right? So Peter steps up again and he says, he begins to complain. He begins to complain and he begins to issue a sarcastic response. Because see, when Jesus said, I tell you the, uh, I tell you the truth, whoever gives anything up for my name's sake, they shall receive eternal life, right? So here we go. Peter steps up again. He begins to complain of all that they had given up, not just him, but the other disciples as well. He begins to complain about every last thing that they had to give up. He says, Lord, what then will we get? We gave up mothers. We gave up brothers. We gave up children. We gave up sisters. We gave up possessions, our houses. We gave up everything to follow you. And I love what Jesus says next. Yeah, you're right. You did. And just know that when you give up things for my benefit, when you give things up for my sake, everything will be re-added unto you. He didn't say 20-fold. He didn't say 30-fold. He didn't say 40-fold. He didn't say 50-fold. But he said 100-fold. Jesus said that you will get 100% more back because you gave. What little you give, Jesus will restore unto you everything that you gave, that you've given, that you sacrifice 100% more than what was required of you to give. Amen. Think about that. Think about that. The little that God is requiring you to give, he's making you a promise that if you give it up to him and his timing, he will give you not just the right things, not just the necessary things, but he will give you everything that you've given to him better and more, more and better than what you've ever given. God says he will restore it back unto you. Amen. That's us. That's us. Because some of us have given everything to follow Jesus. Some of us have given up relationships and friendships. Some of us have given up families even. Some of us have given up sons and daughters, mothers and brothers, fathers and, and so on. Some of us have given up literally everything to become, to follow Jesus, in order for us to follow Jesus. And that's us. We began to complain. We began to we, we began to complain. We began to remind God of everything that we've given just to follow him. Thinking that we are hurting God, but in reality, only having God come back to give us that wisdom of truth. Giving us that reality check that some of us desperately need in our lives. See, it's easy to judge Peter from looking from the outside in. But let me ask you, instead of judging Peter, why don't you judge yourself? Instead of judging Peter, why not judge yourself? Amen. Because I can promise you either there are things that you've not let go of or there are things that you had to let go of that you now complain about. And some of you may even be bitter about because you had to let it go. 
You fill in that blank in your life as God makes it known to you, as I believe and have faith that God is bring, bringing to the surface, to your remembrance, things that you've either complained about or things that you are clinging to that you have trouble of letting go of. Amen. Amen. My message titled tonight is The Cost of Following. The Cost of Following. See, it's funny, just like the disciples then, I'm pretty sure they didn't know what was expected or what was required of them when they gave God their yes to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus just walked on the scene, as we saw last week, and called people out by name and said, come, follow me. And they literally left everything where it was to go follow the one that was calling them. This tells me that, again, I'm sure I said this last week, I'm sure I said this before, but I'm going to say it again because it is still significant even in this day, even in this hour. I'm sure that there had to be something within the voice of Jesus that resonated with their spirit to make them want to instantly leave everything to go follow the one that was calling them. My God, when Jesus calls you and when Jesus comes on the scene and he calls you by name, you just instantly leave everything and you get up and you follow him who is calling you. But I'm sure that when they gave God their yes by following Jesus, they did not know, nor did they understand that it would be required, that it would be expected of them to willingly let things go in order to become a devout follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Some of us give God our yes, not thinking that God is going to do everything for us. Some of us give God our yes, thinking that everything in life is going to be handed to us on a silver platter. And some of us give God our yes, thinking that everything is going to be easy in our life from that point on. And there are even some pastors and there are even some leaders in churches that would teach you that theological principle. But I tell you the truth, that, that theological mindset or that type of the theology is wrong. Amen. Because if you read your Bible and you look in the word of God for yourselves, I promise you that there will not be one story where God literally handed everything to his people on a silver platter. And the reason why that is, is not that God doesn't want to provide for us. It's not that God isn't capable of providing for us. It is only because of the fact that we have to learn to fight our battles and how we fight our battles. Amen. If God was to literally hand deliver everything over to us, we would then lose dependency upon God. Amen. Because we know that God is going to give it to us regardless if we ask him or not. Amen. Just because we are his people. That is what a lot of people believe. That's what a lot of people think. But then they give God their yes and then they get into life and they had a good start and they start the race good and they start the race strong. But by the time they get out the gate, they get about two yards out the gate and they faint. And the reason why they faint is because they have not been given whole wheat. They have not been given the true life, bread of life. They have not been given the true manna, the true word of of God. But I tell you, men and women of God, I tell you, brothers and sisters of Greater Impact Church, praise God in this moment because he is giving you the fullness, the wholeness of his word. Amen. And there are some that long to have what you have. My God, take and eat the word of God. Receive it. Let it become a part of you. Let it become, let it fill you from the inside out. My God. Yes, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let the word of God consume you. Let it fill you up. Hallelujah. Receive your fill. Let he who has ears hear the voice of the Lord tonight and understand what the Spirit of God is saying. Yes, God, hear the Spirit of the Lord on today and receive the Word of God and know that the Word of God is true, that heaven and earth shall pass away, but the Word of God is eternal. My God, Yes, God. Yes, God. Hallelujah, church. Praise God in this moment. I feel the spirit of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. My God. Yes, God. In the name of Jesus. My God. My God. My God. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Hallelujah. My God. 
So some of you have given everything and only complained about that in which you had to give. And there are some of you here that hold on to certain things that God is telling you to let go of. And you don't realize that by holding on to it and trying to justify it with the word of God that you are now beginning to exegete, meaning that you're beginning to take it out of its context, meaning that you're trying to repurpose it to mean something that it does not mean that, oh my Lord. Jesus. That means that you're not in the will of God, but you're standing outside the will of God, my God. Because regardless, any way that you have it, there is something that is required of you to give. Amen. And when you give it, it is not for you to complain about it, but it is for you to praise God with it. Hear me. My God, it is not for you to complain about, but it is for you to praise God with it. Amen. Glory to God. I tell you the truth that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and if you have not get and you say you claim that you've given God your full yes, but yet you still hold on to that in which God is requiring you to give up as a sacrifice. You, my friend, you, my brother, you, my sister have not given God your best yes. You can't say that you've given your full yes to Jesus. You can't say that you've given your best yes unto God if you are still clinging to that thing that God is requiring you, demanding, commanding you to let go of. My God, I ask you this. Are you selfless or are you selfish? Are you selfless or are you selfish? Do me a favor, turn open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 25. We're going to go a, a couple chapters over from where we were. Again, that is the Gospel of uh, Matthew chapter 25. Chapter 25, verses 31 through 40. Again, that's the Gospel of Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 40. Once you get there, follow along. The word of the Lord says, then he will say to those, these were Jesus' words. He said, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire prepared. I'm sorry. I'm starting with the wrong verse. My bad. I, I got ahead of myself, church. Got to bear with me. Chapter 25, verse 31. I began to read verse 41. Lord, help me. Again, chapter 25, Matthew 25, verses 31 through 40. 40. Amen. It says the final judgment. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, come you who, who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world for i was hungry and you gave me food i was thirsty and you gave me drink i was a stranger and you welcomed me i was naked and you clothed me i was sick and you visited me i was in prison and you came to me then the righteous will answer him saying lord when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink and when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you and when did we see you sick, excuse me, or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Verse 41 says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and did and you did not visit me verse 44 says then they also will answer saying lord when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not and did not minister to you verse 45 then he will answer them saying truly i say to you as you did not do it to one of the least of these you did not do it to me my god my God, church, this is what's going to happen in the final judgment. Just think, you're standing before the judgment seat of God 
And God shows you moments in your life where you had an opportunity to give something to help somebody. Let me put this out there. Regardless if you realize this or not, there is something on the inside of you that God has purposed to be used to bless somebody else. There is a blessing in your bank account that God put there in order for you to help somebody else that is in need. See, the thing of it is, is that some of us have good paying jobs and some of us have everything that we could ever want. And then we become blinded by what somebody else has that we lose contentment and we began to complain against, uh, we began to complain to God about what we don't have instead of praising God for what we actually do have. Church, I tell you that you got to be content with the things that you have. Amen. Be content with the job that you have because it's putting food on the table. Don't you realize that there are people that wish they could work, but they can't go to work because regardless if they got laid off because of the coronavirus or because they got their job went out of business because of, uh, of a financial issue or because of a, a stock issue or whatever type of issue. Don't you realize that there are people in this world right now that wish that they had what you had and it's not even that they're covered. It's that they're longing for what you have, amen, because they would love the opportunity to be able to put bread on the table for their wife and their children. They would love the opportunity to be able to receive some type of paycheck in order for them to pay their bills on time and not have to create more debt for themselves by going to the bank, taking out loans and opening credit cards and doing all of the above. Yes, while God is our provider, what we fail to realize is that sometimes God wants to use us to provide for his people. Don't believe me? Open your Bibles to the book of Exodus and read the entire books of Exodus as God was leading them out of the wilderness or as God was leading them into the wilderness to go find their promised land. God required of them to give silver and to give gold and to give jewelry and to give all kinds of wood and, and fragrances. Remember the the woman. Uh, I think it was Martha. It was Mary. Amen. It was Mary. She was. Um, she came in at the at the dinner table. She came in the living room while Jesus was reclining back, chilling out. And she began to pour ointment over his head, and she began to weep over his feet and dry the tears up on his feet with her hair. And Judas is a carrier who was so in love with wealth, who was so in love with money, more so than being in love with Jesus. Said, Rabbi. He rebuked what the woman did. And Jesus said, no, who are you to rebuke her? For don't you realize that this woman has done more for me than what you've done for me? Don't you realize that this woman has prepared my body for burial and I'm not even dead yet? Don't you realize that the poor will always be amongst you, but I will not be? My God. So I ask you, are you selfless or are you selfish? I'm not even equating this to just finances. I'm equating this to resources. I'm equating this to whatever it is that God has blessed you with that you could potentially use to bless somebody else. For example, if some of you have the gift and the knowledge of, uh, 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 of becoming a psychologist and there be one that is amongst you who needs counsel, will you not counsel him? Without expectation of payment? Well, apostle, if that's my career, if that's my job, then that's what I'm to do. But don't you have 89 other people that will pay you for your expertise? But you mean to tell me you can't offer your gifts or your talents to the one that has no money or not enough money to pay you? My God. My God. Jesus said there will be the sheep separated from the goats. Are you a sheep or are you a goat? Because sometimes there are some people in the, in the fold, in the church, that think they're following Jesus Christ. But I tell you the truth, if you have a hard time giving up talents, if you have a hard time giving up uh, 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 help, if you have a hard time giving something up, that you are a goat disguised as a sheep. And by being a goat disguised into, as a sheep, you position yourself to eventually becoming a wolf. Amen. And sheep's clothing. My God, hear me. 
if you are a goat thinking that you are a sheep and you get into a position to where now you are in leadership, you are in danger of becoming a wolf disguised in sheep's clothing. Because if you can't even acknowledge if you are a sheep or if you are a goat, that means that you have a spiritual identity crisis. Are you going through a spiritual identity crisis? Amen. Because the followers of Jesus are not selfish, but they are selfless. They have a will. They have a desire to give up whatever it is that God is requiring them to give up. And even though while we know God is requiring us to give it up, doesn't mean it's easy for us to give up. But it, do, it doesn't mean it won't hurt for us to give up. But it means that instead of us clinging on to it, we're going to trust in God to get us through it. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Oftentimes. I'm sorry, before I get to that, as he said in this word, as he said in this parable, whatever we do to the least of these, we do it also unto God. Amen. When we bless our brother, we bless God. When we feed somebody some food that right out of our refrigerator, right out of our cabinets, we do it to God. When we visit somebody in prison just to minister to them and give them the word of God and share the faith with them, we do it also unto God. When we visit the sick and pray for them in the hospitals, we do it also unto God. We're not afraid to offer up time. We're not afraid of how much time we offer up. We're not afraid of how much talents and gifts we offer up. We do and give all that God would require and ask of us to give. Amen. Oftentimes we find any and every reason why we can't help somebody out. And most of those times our excuses are we don't have enough time. We don't have enough money. We don't have the right resources. There is no way that you don't have at least one or the other. Amen? Amen. What we fail to realize is that what we do give is just a portion. What we do give is just a portion because surely it will be resupplied. Let me ask you, when you pay a bill, don't you get payment back from your paycheck? Don't you still accumulate another paycheck when you go to work the next week or the next two weeks, however you get paid? So just as quickly as you spend money, you can earn money. My God, just as quickly as you invest time, you can get time back. For I tell you, each day in itself is a gift from God. That each day when you wake up out of your bed, you should give glory and praise to God because God has given you another 24 hours to do something of him. Amen. So oftentimes we find any and every reason why we can't do something. Let me ask you, what's your excuse? Ask your neighbor, neighbor, what is your excuse? For you, the people of God, the followers of the Lord Jesus, there shall be no excuses amongst you. Because again, you're like that farmer clinging to that seed, wondering why everyone else in the vineyards, the neighboring vineyards are receiving a harvest, but yet you have received no harvest. If we be true followers of Jesus, then how can we say such things? Do we not realize that when we have Christ, that we have enough, that we have all that we need? Little is much when God is in it. Say that to your neighbor. Neighbor, little is much when God is in it. You may perceive that you don't have much, but if God be in the little that you have, God can expand and, and, and deepen that and what you perceive is not enough of. If my God can take two loaves of uh, two loaves of bread and some fish and give thanks to God the Father and began to break it up and distribute it unto groups of 50 and total of 5,000 and 4,000 people, you mean to tell me, and they still have leftovers, you mean to tell me that my God can't resupply? You mean to tell me that my God can't take what little you have and expand it and stretch it and, and, and use it for whatever it is that needs to be used for my God my God to live a selfless life selfless to live a selfless life is to be a true follower of Jesus Christ 
to live a selfish life is to be a goat disguised as a sheep, being in danger of transforming into a wolf disguised in sheep's clothing. Let me ask you, what are you? Are you selfless or are you selfish? Well, Apostle, it's hard to be selfless. It's hard to put others before me. It's hard to do this. It's hard. No, it's really not. If Jesus did it, surely we can do it. As the book of Philippians says, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And you fail to realize that when you give your life to Jesus, that you become a, a, a disciple. You become a new creature. Siri going to get the word of the Lord too, y'all. <laughs> I'm telling you, one of these days, Siri going to get saved, y'all. But anyways, as I was saying before, I was really interrupted by Siri, my God. Um, let's see. Um, what we fail to realize is that, glory to God, that when God is in the midst of our life, amen, we are a new creation. We are a new creature. We are not the same as we were yesterday. The enemy wants you to believe. He wants you to perceive that you are that same person. He will even try to keep you captivated by your own thoughts. He will even try to keep you captivated by making you believe that there is no change within you. But one thing I will say to you is that change is not always something you feel, but it's something that you are. My God, change is not something you feel, but it's something that you become. My God, my God. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, God. So, are you selfless or are you selfish? If right now in this moment you're selfish, that's not for you to say that you can't be a follower of Jesus. Because as we talked about last week, you can be a follower of Jesus. You are called to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You just have to be willing to to let go and let God. You got to be willing to fully surrender everything unto him and make him truly the Lord of your life. Amen. There should not be nothing that is done without prayer first. You should be seeking the Lord in prayer and in his word at all times. But I want you to know that when you give God your full yes, when you become a devout follower of Jesus Christ, that you are called by God, you are required, you are expected by God to live a selfless life, not a selfish life. Amen. I say this, trade the flesh for the spirit. That's what it comes down to. Trade the flesh for the spirit. Do me a favor, turn open your Bibles to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 20. Again, that's the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 20. The Word of God says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My God. My God. This tells you basically what I just said to you. That when you surrender your life to Jesus, that you are not your own anymore. That when you surrender your life to Jesus, you are a new creation. You are a new creature. You have been transformed through that in which Christ done for you on the cross. When we become followers of Jesus Christ, we are to die to ourselves that we may live a holy and righteous life. This can only be done through the Spirit of God. Amen? This can only be done through the Spirit of God. So I say to you, are you willing to let go of your flesh? Are you willing to trade your flesh for the things of the spirit see so many people think that this is just a one-time occurrence some people believe that you only do this one time and that's it no i tell you that you are to do this on a daily basis because as long as you live in this flesh as long as you are human, as long as you have blood running through this earthly body, you are going to be tempted to sin. 
Jesus tells us in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night in which he gave himself up for us that the body is weak, your flesh is weak, but your spirit is willing. So learn how to put the flesh to death. Deny the flesh that the spirit may abound, that the spirit of God may live on the surface and the, the, the fleshly man may live under the inspiration of the spirit of the one true and living God. The flesh is corrupt, so therefore it must be put to death daily, not just the one time occurrence, but daily. Amen. Meaning denying the things of this life such as his pleasures and, w and will to sin that will live or lead a corrupt life. Amen. So things like addiction to pornography, things to addiction to cigarettes, addiction to alcohol, addictions to um, fornication, addiction to anything and everything that is not like God. Amen. Amen. When we give our lives up to Jesus, when we give our yes to God, and when we give our yes and acceptance to Jesus as making him the Lord and Savior over our life, we got to realize that we lose citizenship in the kingdom of the world and gain citizenship in the kingdom of God. And that means that we are now required under the new covenant to live in order to live in grace. We must be obedient unto the commandments of the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and do not what I ask you to do? Why do you call me Lord and don't obey my commandments? There are some who want to call Jesus Lord, but why do you call him Lord when you don't even obey any of his commandments? My God. So it is no longer I who live when I give my yes to Jesus and when I put to death my flesh, but it is Christ, the living God, on the inside of me, hallelujah, that, it, that lives. It is Christ on the inside of me that gives me the ability to live my life for God, amen? It is better to be bound by uh, free, it's better to be bound by righteousness than it is uh, to be bound by sin. I say that again. It's better to be bound by righteousness rather than it is to be bound in the chains of sin. For even though a person be bound in righteousness, he is truly free and has found freedom for his soul. But woe unto him who is bound in the chains of sin. Even though it may feel good, even though it may look good, it is not good. It will corrupt your soul and the enemy will prepare a place for you as God will prepare a place for those who does his will and his kingdom. My God. My God. When we live a life of the, in the spirit, we put a target on our backs because now we serve as a threat to the enemy because we are in a position to where God can use us to evade the camps of the enemy and bring people over to Jesus. My God, my God, when you live a righteous life, when you live a holy sanctified life, when you live a life that is full of the Holy Spirit, when you live a life that is modeled after the likeness and legacy and ministry of Jesus Christ, you put a target on your back because now the enemy sees you as a threat. And the reason why he sees you as a threat because he knows that when God is a part of your life, he knows that when God is in the midst of your life, that God will be working on your behalf and God surely will use you to bring people closer to him. Bring people closer to him. Um, glory to God. For some of you, that has answered a whole plethora of questions that you may have had. Why ever since I gave my yes to God, I'm going through these persecutions? Why ever since I gave my yes to God, I'm going through all this hell? Why is it when I gave my yes to God, everybody didn't want to be around me? It's because the enemy is trying to distract you. It's because the enemy is trying to hurt you and harm you because he's threatened by you. I would say to you that the more hell you go through, praise God for, because that's indication that the enemy is really upset about what God is about to do or what he's in the process of doing in the midst of your life. Amen. Let me ask you, the, how, how, how big is the target on your back? How big is the target on your back? The more closer you become with God through his word, through prayer and your relationship overall, the bigger that target will get on your back.
my God. And it will be evident by the type of struggles and by the type of situations and circumstances that arise in your life. My God. I will say this lastly. This, this is the last thing I'm going to leave you guys with. You are accepted even though you are rejected. Say that to your neighbor. Neighbor, you are accepted even though you are rejected. See, Jesus forewarns us that when we become his followers, that when we give him our best yes, our full yes, that we will be rejected by the people of this world. Being rejected by this world is indication that you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. For the world will not accept anything that is not of itself, and the world will not accept anything that it does not understand or that it does not look like itself. My God. The world cannot accept that in which it does not understand, nor does it know. Oftentimes, being a follower of Jesus means that we could even lose our lives, that we can lose our friends or our family members. And we can lose so much more. But as Jesus said, surely as you've given it up for my sake, for my benefit, I tell you, you will receive a hundredfold more of that in which you gave. Following Jesus is an easy church, but it is possible. I know the pain that you feel. I know that it hurts when people laugh at you and mock you. I know that it hurts even when your family turns their back on you. I know that it hurts when people naturally reject you and don't even want to be around you because of the one who resides within you. But church, I want you to get this revelation deep down in your spirit. I want you to get it deep down in your heart because I tell you the truth. The only true relationship that matters is your relationship with God. And if the relationship is of God, it will withstand the test. It will withstand the fires. It will withstand the tribulation that comes up against it. My God. So anybody that's not able to stand with you in Christ, they cannot stand with you in eternity. I say that again. Whoever cannot stand with you in Christ cannot stand with you in eternity. My God. My God. My God. My God. Yes, Jesus. Following Jesus isn't easy, but whoever said it would be because the word of God tells us otherwise. Jesus gives us strength through the Holy Spirit to be able to live a life after him. It says in the book of Acts that when the Holy Spirit first descended upon the church, there was a, an awakening. There was a shaking. Glory to God. It says that when they began to pray for more boldness, the Spirit of God shook them up. Could it be that God is using this season to shake you up so that he can refill you with more of himself? My God. My God. Jesus assures us that we are rejected on this earth. We also are accepted in the kingdom of God. Jesus also reassures us that we cannot be a friend of both God and the world. Either we're going to love God and despise the world or we're going to uh, despise God and love the world. So we're either going to despise God and love the world or love the world and despise God. We got to choose what we want to do. Just like Joshua said, Joshua had that revelation. You know what, Lord? I tell you, I know what, Lord? I don't know about y'all. I don't know about you, Israel. But for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. Persecution and tribulation are common as followers of Jesus Christ. But just know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See, the enemy knows that his time is short. So surely he's going to try to come after you to discourage you. To try to lessen your ability to pray in the spirit of God. Even when you don't know what's going on, God knows. Why not take it before the throne of God and make your petition known to God in prayer? Amen. And lastly, I say to you this as I close out this message tonight. Jesus assures us that he will always be with us even unto the last day. And Jesus says, I tell you. Even when you go through all these persecutions and when you go through all this rejection and when you go through all this heartache and sorrow and pain, just know that I 
Jesus Christ of Nazareth, am with you always, even until the end of the age. Church, as we get ready to close out this worship experience tonight, and as we prepare to go into our last worship song and give the altar call and all that good stuff, one thing I want to point out to you as I get before I get ready to go. As we wrap up this message, as we sum up this whole message, some of you may be saying in your heart, well, then I can't be a follower of Christ because it is too hard. No, it's not hard. I bind up that mindset. I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus. It is not hard. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, it is not hard. All it takes is a will to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Notice I said Lord and Savior. To make Jesus Lord means to fully surrender everything into his hands. Let him have complete dominion and control and lordship over your life. See, there are folks that just want to make Jesus Savior. And it's those very same folks that don't want to do anything but expect God to do everything for them. The Bible says, family, faith without works is dead. And while I know that for some of us, we won't be able to uh, do or perfect these things right away. It's a process. Say to, your, say to your neighbor, neighbor, it's a process. It's a process. Glory to God. But all you have to have is a will to want to do good. All you have to have is a will to want to be obedient to the commandments of God. Be obedient to the commandments of Jesus Christ. All you have to do is want to do right by God and to let God use you. There are some of you here that say that you want to be used by God, but I want you to know that God can use you right in the situation that you're in. That God can use you right in the circumstances that you are in. All you have to do is be willing to fully surrender everything over to him. Give him your best yes. Give him your full yes. Mean what you say and say what you mean. Open the doors of your heart and let him come in to you. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. If there be any of you here tonight that wishes to commit or recommit your life to Jesus Christ, let nothing hinder you. Come freely. Come as you are. Because see, you ain't got to be right in order to get right. I say that again. You ain't got to be right in order to get right. You come to God just as you are for the word says, come as you are. Come as you are before the throne of grace. Come as you are before the cross of Calvary and watch what my God won't do for you. Watch how God will transform and transition your life in ways that you never even thought possible. If God could do this for me, if God could do this for our brother Peter. If God could do this for our brother Saul, who is now known as Paul. Surely my God can do it for you. Amen. The Bible says any person that believes in their heart that Jesus is the Christ, that he is Lord, that he died for their sins and on the third day raised to life and confess these things in which they believe with their mouth, the word of their testimony, they shall be saved. Church, believe in your heart, even if it's with the smallest portion of faith. Give God your yes tonight. Click on that hand, uh, that raise hand button there in the chat. Let us know that you're making that decision, that you are taking that stand for Jesus Christ tonight. It does not let us know who you are. It is, it is anonymous. But it will redirect you to a page where it will formally give you a brief introduction as to who Jesus Christ is and who he wants to be and who he can be in your life. Amen. Amen. If anybody wishes to commit or recommit their life to Christ, believe in your heart, even with, if it's with a small portion of faith, click on that blue button, that raise hand button in the chat, and join me in this simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you tonight. I confess that I am a sinner, that my sins are many, that my heart is naturally sinful and wicked. Lord Jesus, I repent. I believe you died for me. I believe on the third day you raised to life, you ascended into heaven, and you are soon to come back again. Lord Jesus, I receive you this day as my personal Lord and Savior. Make your home in my heart. Help me to be more like you each and every day. Help me to accurately reflect you to all those I come in contact with. And fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. And help me to be obedient and help me to be transitioned into whom you created and called me to be. I receive you 
and your Holy Spirit by faith. And I ask and pray these things in Jesus' mighty and precious name who taught us to pray. And the people of God said amen. If you said that simple prayer, I would like to be the first to welcome you to or welcome you back to the family of God. If you have not already done so, click on that raise hand button and be sure to bookmark that page that appears on the new screen and uh, feel free to take it the next step. Amen. Go share with someone that you just committed or recommitted your life to Jesus Christ. Don't worry about what they say about you. Don't worry about what they think about you. Just trust God and only concern yourself with the opinion of God because that's the only opinion that truly matters. Amen. Amen and amen. Welcome to all of you that committed or recommitted your life to Jesus Christ. We definitely would love to have the opportunity to get to know you. If you are in the need of one-on-one -on -one prayer or if you have questions or concerns, feel free to click on that request prayer button at the bottom of the screen there. We have people on standby that would love to talk with you one-on-one, -on -one, that would love to pray with you one-on-one, -on -one, that would love to assist you and serve you in any way possible. Glory to God. If you wish to post it there in the general chat, feel free to do that as well. But just remember, we love you. We're praying for you. And we trust that your best yet is still, uh, the, the best is still yet to come. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, church, um, God bless you. May God's peace and grace be with you all in Jesus name. I pray that you guys have a blessed and impactful week. And I look forward to seeing you guys on next Sunday as we continue with this series, Follow Me.